We live in a world of big data, but our challenge in the coming years will be harnessing that data, as well as understanding how to use it ethically. In recent years, Marquette has expanded data science programs in fields like healthcare, business, and the humanities. Marquette has also forged partnerships with community organizations like Northwestern Mutual and the University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee. In this episode, we discuss machine learning, statistics data analytics, and just as importantly, how to turn data into insight. I'm Lauren Burke, and this is Marquette in Milwaukee with President Mike Lovell. Thank you, everyone, for joining us today for this conversation. And the way that we like to start is just go around the room, have everybody say their name and where they're from. So, Dr. Yeah. Lovell, start um, with you. Mike Lovell. I'm president of Marquette University. Pirush Papadla, co-director of the Northwestern Mutual Data Science Institute and a professor of marketing at UWM. Carrie McConnell, co-director of the Northwestern Mutual Data Science Institute at Northwestern Mutual. I'm Andrea Price, and I'm the director of the Health Data Analytics Program at Marquette. I'm Michael Zimmer. I'm an associate professor in computer science at Marquette University. My name is Cheyenne Guha. I'm an assistant professor in the Department of Computer Science at Marquette University. I'm also the current director of graduate studies for our data science programs. I'm Ed Blumenthal. I'm co-director of the Northwestern Mutual Data Science Institute for Marquette and associate professor of biological sciences. Great. So I'm going to start with the most pressing question. Is it data or data? <laughs> Oh, it depends on what area you're from. Okay, great. How are we all saying it today? Data? 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 data. Got it. All right, we'll start with data. So maybe a little background if everyone could share about data science. What is data science? Maybe some real-world applications in data science? Data science goes beyond purely large data sets. It also includes data that we traditionally would not think of as data. So text, speech, pictures, video, all of this is data. And in addition to that, there's data coming from all over the place. So, for example, if you have people talking to Alexa, that's data. You have a remote garage door opener, that's data. You have a remote refrigerator, that's data, right? All of this is data. And so the question that most businesses are facing today is how do we use all of this data to improve how we function? Because there's so much information that if you can pull that information out to improve our decision-making, we'll be better off, right? That's the challenge of data science. And that goes back to your question of why data science now, right? Because mm -hmm. of all the data that's coming in and the need that everyone is realizing that there's enormous information, this data that can improve everything. That's what has brought people to the field of data science. And data are everywhere. I think everyone is aware of the world of big data that we're living in, though they may not necessarily think about it. I mean, I think about, you know, watching football games on Sunday afternoon and, and, you know, a quarterback makes a pass and then they talk about the percent, the probability that that pass was going to be completed. And that's a new thing. I mean, I never saw it before this year. And this is not some guy in the booth that's, you know, looking at it and saying, oh, that's a, that's a 55 percent. You know, this is looking at the positions of the players, looking at all of this data and then making a prediction about the probability. So it's not just all of this data that, that's being collected about everything, who we talk to and where we are and where our phones are and, and the connections, but then being able to use that to make predictions. And that's where I think the incredible power and, and also the challenge of data science lies. Yeah. So any really interesting, unique ways that data science is being used that maybe somebody wouldn't think about when they think of data science? 
Yeah, I can talk about my research in, 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 the, in the context of business and marketing. That's what my primary field is. So a couple of interesting examples of research there of data being used in ways that one would, wouldn't normally think about is to integrate data with theories from uh, anthropology and social psychology and really unique fields. And so one of the examples, a couple of examples of that is we work with a lot of retailers that are using pictures posted on Instagram with, uh, with their products showing in the picture. Someone posts a selfie of uh, drinking a cup of coffee at Starbucks with the Starbucks logo showing. So the question then is, you know, if, if, if you take that picture and post it on the Starbucks site, would it act as an endorsement and get more people to buy Starbucks coffee? So, right? So the challenge, however, was that for this company that was building this whole application on Instagram on any given day gets 95 million pictures posted on it. And so the question then is, if even if there are a couple of thousand pictures posted for Starbucks, which one or two of those would actually make a difference? You can't post all 2,000, right? So we started tackling that problem from multiple perspectives. And the first question that we looked at was, could we maybe look at the type of color compositions in pictures that would attract the eye? and make people look at the picture and act on it. And so we worked with about 65 retailers, national retailers, working through a million pictures that were posted on their sites, and we found some very interesting insights. We found that pictures with some tones of blue and green uh, actually have the highest conversion rate. And, and, and so that's one yeah. thing. And then uh, going to anthropology, I worked with a, with a very well-regarded anthropologist at Princeton whose entire career was built on this simple idea that we as human beings are hardwired to focus on, among all the visual stimuli that we are facing, a face. Because that's how we learned how to survive, by looking at the other person and assessing their emotions. Which then would mean that, going back to this application, if uh, retailers post pictures with faces prominently showing, they would distract from the product in the picture. People would be so caught up in the face that they won't think about the product. Mm -hmm. So we wanted to test the theory. Once again, we mined through a million pictures from about 100 retailers, and we found that to be the case. So now a lot of retailers do not show pictures prominently in their photos that they pay for. Wow, that's so, fascinating. So. Anybody else want to share something? I'll talk about my Tolkien experiences. So when I, <laughs> so as I said, my research program is around algorithms and public policy. But at Marquette, we have the Tolkien archives, mm -hmm. which is a very, very unique collection that it doesn't exist anywhere else, right. pretty much. And I am a huge fan of Tolkien. I always was. I spent a large part of my high school years learning Elvish from the appendices to the Lord of the Rings. So when I came here, <laughs> I said, you know, I have my research program, but could we do something more fun? Could we make use of the Tolkien archives? Because one question that Tolkien scholars always ask is Tolkien had four to five different manuscript drafts of The Hobbit and Lord of the Rings, and we have large collections of them. And things changed, characters changed, themes changed among them. And so we wanted to figure out you know, what, what were those changes? We kind of qualitatively know some of the characters' names got changed, etc. But what about plot lines? What about important character arcs? What happened to them? So Dr. Jerry Canavan in the English department at Marquette teaches a course on Tolkien, which is once again a very unique course that is hard to find anywhere else. So I had a wonderful student who incidentally was our first ever data science major graduate mm. who graduated two years ago. And she took my class in an introduction to data science class and then went and took Dr. Canavan's class on Tolkien and then came to me and said, I want to work on the Tolkien archives. And I want to learn interesting things about uh, these character arc changes. Now, it was hard to actually work with the archives because there's all, all sorts of rules between the Tolkien society and the archives and how you 
you're allowed to digitize certain things and use them, etc. And I'm hoping we can get over that hump at some point. This is just a passion project. But we took what was available and we actually applied various natural language processing techniques and built a visual web application with the help of the, the Digital Scholarship Lab at Marquette Libraries, which really helped us in help the student in doing so. And we actually developed a, a visual understanding of some of the changes that occurred between novels and drafts from the works of Gerard Tolkien. So I consider that to be like a really, really fun thing. And I hope that I get funding from somewhat in the future to wow. continue that. <laughs> so could you now give us that answer in Elvish? Right, um, right. No, that's, that's way too hard. <laughs> Well, data really is everywhere. That's fascinating. So let's talk a little bit about social media, data and social media. There's a lot of privacy concerns out there. Talk about, if you don't mind, Michael, what should people be sharing? What should they be thinking about as it relates to their social media accounts? I think one of the great opportunities for data science, but then also one of the big challenges is the availability of data. You know, and Perush was mentioning the ability to, to take images off of Instagram in order to train a system or do machine learning. Or I'm working with colleagues who are able to grab 10 million tweets and then tomorrow will run you know, run some stats at it and, and learn something about what people are talking about. So the the interesting challenge is that many users aren't aware of how their data might be used in these kinds of ways. Right. And it's an interesting ethical and conceptual challenge for us because while I'm posting things on Facebook or on Instagram, knowing that they're visible to the public, is that the same as recognizing that it might be harvested by a researcher and then used to try to train an algorithm to do something? And it's not to suggest that it's a bad actor or it, it's, it's a misuse, but that sometimes there's, a, there's an imbalance on what people understand about the publicness of what they share and how it's being used and then what a researcher might be doing with it. And that's actually one of the big things that drives my research agenda and the things I'm trying to inform on our students is to be sensitive to those complications. So I think for, for many users, they do need to recognize that when they post something on a platform like Instagram or Twitter, they might have an imagined community that sees that. It's me and my couple hundred friends that are paying attention to my page. But in reality, there's a much larger ability for that information to be used for other kinds of reasons. So I think that that's an important thing for, for people to recognize. And I think it's important for us as a research community to acknowledge that when we go about you know, our data science data collection, to just be mindful of, of how data is being collected and used and what that might mean to a user. One other example where this becomes a complication is often that research is being done on very difficult problems like face recognition or different kinds of identity recognition. And sometimes it's hard to differentiate people with darker skin, or it might be hard to train an algorithm on people that might be non-binary gendered. So there's some really interesting research questions to try to solve those challenges. But in order to do that, we're often collecting data on these vulnerable communities in order to train our systems. Mm -hmm. So again, that's just a sensitivity that I think we need to be paying attention to as a research community, that oftentimes the users of these platforms may not understand how their data is being collected and used outside of what they were thinking. So data is all around us everywhere. Do any of you have examples of personal devices, anything you might use to track data in your own life? You know, uh, you know, obviously I'm a runner and now, you know, when with these, you know, I have a Garmin watch and it produces more data than I can even keep track of. But things, you know, after every run, I'm looking at my heart rate, my cadence, my stride length. I can just tell you, you know, more, five years ago, I didn't even didn't pay attention to that during yeah. my runs. And so I'm looking at if I have an improved performance, I have a good run. I'm looking at why that was. How's my data change? And so I've come to realize that if I have a longer stride length, that I'm usually having a better run than yeah. other things, for example. 
You know, I there's two examples that are in my everyday, almost every hour of every day. One is I use a, a like a food logging app, and I just switched apps because I found one that I liked better. And this one, you can take a picture of your plate of food, and it uses AI from that photo. I tried it on Sunday. It was crazy. Like, I had chicken, green beans, and a salad, and it knew it. It's like chicken breast, green beans, and it's like I didn't have to enter anything. And they're like, is this right? Yep, that looks good. And I'm out. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So, and then I just got a new car, right? And the cars have Apple CarPlay built in. So now, so that's like a 2015 vehicle, but that didn't have the integration with my phone just four years ago, right? Mm -hmm. Now I have the integration and my life is so much better on my commute, (laughs) (laughs) right? So I don't even have to look down at my phone because it's right there, Right. right? Yeah. I've been tracking my sleep with my Fitbit and it aligns with some research we've been doing on people that use fitness trackers and there's a rise in anxiety over this quantification of, of our bodies and ourselves. Oh. Uh, I didn't get my steps in today. I need mm-hmm. to go, you know, climb some more stairs. And Fitbit recently added a feature where I, I now have a sleep score mm-hmm. where I get a numeric value on the quality of my sleep. And that actually has raised, I think Fitbit can actually now see that my pulse increases mm-hmm. whenever I pull up my sleep score because I have this anxiety over whether or not <laughs> I've had quality sleep. Wow. Um, so I'm worried about that we're having these unintended consequences of trying to you know, improve my sleep. But now I just get high blood pressure. <laughs> so yeah, right. so... There's an app for that one. Too. I know. <laughs> <laughs> So I, I try not to track myself, but the, the biology perspective, speaking as a biologist, my daughter just recently sent in her DNA, you know, to one of these commercial sure, yeah. uh, genotyping companies in the desperate hope that her genetic background was something different than we all knew that it was. <laughs> and again, this is something that, you know, five years ago, maybe, but, but 10 years ago, certainly not, couldn't have done. And of course, it came back exactly like we all knew it was. So she didn't really learn anything. But uh, again, this is a, you know, this is new. And then it changes how we think of ourselves and our background, how we think about race, ethnicity, You know, hearing this makes me think about a conversation I'm having with my daughter, who's a junior in high school, has always wanted to go into the medical field. Andrea, you'll love this. We are having, as we're having conversations about what kind of degree she wants to pursue, you know, she's pretty much set on physician assistant. And then at one point, though, within somewhere within the last month, she said, but mom, I really, she's like, I love data. And I'm like, (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> my heart. The apple yeah. doesn't fall far. I, <laughs> and I told her, I said, you know what, Laura? I said, I really want you to think about what you just said. And she wants to go into the medical field because she likes taking care of people, right? And other things. But she also loves this data part. And I said, what if you could put the two together? I know this person named Andrea Price. At my <laughs> and I'm sure Send she could coach you. <laughs> right, right. But the point is... I mean, I think one of the powerful things that we can do to feed the talent pipeline for data science in Milwaukee is have those kinds of conversations with young people as they're thinking about what they want to do. You know, you've got a graphic design artist that you can open up a whole world about how they can use data to create art, right? You've got, well, economists and, you know, statisticians. That's pretty much like, you know, they understand how to use data. But I love that data is everywhere. And all of a sudden, these opportunities for people who 
don't like math, they have a possible career path that involves math, whether it's data visualization or advanced algorithms and predictive models. There's this whole spectrum that are open up to people, especially in healthcare. Yeah. Well, data science needs critical thinkers and problem solvers and communicators. Think about where we'd be in health journalism if more of our health journalists had a solid foundation in data science. Think about how we could communicate across so many different populations and help them to manage their own healthcare in a completely different way. I think that's what people may not realize about data science is there's a route into it from so many different backgrounds. So talk about your program a little bit. It's this interdisciplinary approach. It's healthcare data analytics. Tell us what the program is, this grad school program at Marquette, and also who you're looking to bring into the program, who it's aimed at. That's a great question that I love answering all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Our health data analytics program at Marquette is a new interdisciplinary graduate program, and half of the program is a deep dive into how to get the tools and skills in data science and analytics. And half of the program is the context of healthcare and how to apply those skills and tools within the healthcare setting, which means that people come to this program from a lot of different backgrounds. A person with any bachelor's degree could enter our program and be working alongside clinical and non-clinical people, be working alongside engineers, computer scientists, people from the humanities, people from the social sciences, which is my background. And when you are having people go through a program like this together, that reflects what's really happening in the real world. And that's the environment that they will be entering into at Northwestern Mutual, that they will be entering into at some of our large healthcare systems, because this is how healthcare works. Right. It requires people that know how to work on teams, people who know how to collaborate, people who know how to describe and interpret results. So when you think about our program and what makes it different, it's we're baking all of that into every course that we offer in this program. And it culminates in a practicum experience, which allows students to show that they have tackled something in the real world and helped to create a solution. So, Michael, you were recently hired at Marquette's Department of Computer Science. Can you talk about the direction that the department is taking and how maybe ethics, we're talking about big data, right. how ethics plays into that part? It's a really exciting time right now with what we're doing in computer science. And, and one of the primary drivers of this new department at Marquette is understanding that computer science touches all these different domains that we've been discussing already, just like data science does, that right. it's interdisciplinary at its at its heart. And the program and, and the people you know running that program recognize that as we start focusing more broadly on the role of computers and data in society, we need to have a broader examination of what that means, those impacts, those consequences, what it means to users, what it means to communities, you know, the, the fact that you, you now could work pretty much in any sector of our economy, and you're going to be doing with data. You're going to be doing with systems. So the computer science program is broadening out. It's focused in human-computer interaction, in, in issues of usability of systems, and in issues of ethics. I mean, that's why I'm here, and I'm really excited to be here to help that. Throughout the computer science program and the data science programs, whether it's at the graduate level or the undergraduate level, we've made a commitment to making sure that, that the students are exposed to the social and ethical implications of data and of these kinds of systems. And if we're talking about tracking athletes on the field or tracking transactions at Target or the number of steps I take uh, that my phone records, that there's some really interesting and complex issues about what does this mean for privacy? What does this mean for who's being counted and who's not being counted? What does it mean for how these systems 
systems are automating decisions in business environments or medical environments. And, and there's just there, there are so many things to be thinking about and, and talking about. And it's really important for us to make sure our students have an understanding of that, that complexity when they go out in the world. And, and that's what we're trying to do. Does anybody else share maybe ways in which you're working with your students around this question of big data and ethics? I think it's a big question for just regular people who are wondering what is happening to their information. Sure, if I can jump in. Largely after I joined Marquette in 2016, I was the first person to be hired at Marquette that I know of with an actual PhD in data science because I happened to be one of the first younger cohort of grad students in universities across the country who actually got training in an interdisciplinary data science field. And when I came to Milwaukee, when I came to Marquette, I realized that there were a lot of issues in Milwaukee, largely across Wisconsin, that we need to tackle from an interdisciplinary perspective. So I formed my research program around examining how data and algorithms are used in public policy, because that is something that is increasingly more prevalent. So I'm sure many of us in this room today have heard of various Supreme Court cases that have come out of Wisconsin. So Gill versus Whitford, which was the gerrymandering case that was recently argued in front of the Supreme Court, or Loomis versus Wisconsin, which dealt with algorithms and criminal sentencing, also came out of Wisconsin. And there's zero training in public policy for most people who actually do public policy or, or in law or in, among judges or prosecutors or, or public defenders. So... I started working with students, particularly I work with the Wisconsin Department of Children and Families in their foster care program, which has been under a federal lawsuit since 1993. And our students, Marquette students, even if current computer science majors actually get a thorough grounding in ethics and rhetoric and humanities at their undergraduate level because of the Marquette core curriculum. So, and they also get the technical proficiency in our computer science program. So it has been wonderful to work with said students at both the undergraduate and graduate level to engage more with public policy here in Wisconsin. And that ties directly to Dr. Lovell's initiative in dealing with trauma in Wisconsin. And so I feel like, at least at Marquette, we have the competency to do this. We're trying to bring together people in order to solve these problems, and we have a long way to go. We've barely just scratched the surface, but we're, we're getting there. Anyone else want to jump in on that? Maybe real-world examples, projects you're working on? You know, in the life insurance industry, especially at Northwestern Mutual, Ethics is at the core of everything we do. And you know, when we launched the NMDSI last year, we all agreed, all the partners agreed that ethics needs to be at the core of what we are too and not, okay, you finished the project, now let's check the list, which mm-hmm. I've seen some organizations do, but embedded into the entire life cycle of whatever data science effort you have. When you're dealing in life insurance data, right, that that's personal data. It's personal financial data, health data. And so everything we do is, you know, we are a relationship company. And so we honor those relationships by making sure that when we proceed with using our client data for work, we're doing it with ethics at the forefront. So what's next for maybe all these programs? What's next for the Institute? What's next for Marquette? What's next for UWM? What's next for all these programs as it relates to data science? What would be, you know, five, ten years from now, the hope? Well, I mean, the the hope is that we would definitely meet the founding goals of the Institute, that is, increase the availability of data science talent from both campuses as a result of the programs we are starting. But a bigger hope, or perhaps a parallel hope, is also that we are going to be 
a major player in advancing the field itself in terms of research because that's the other goal that we have. So develop new approaches to work with current and potentially emerging forms of data and to advance the field as a whole. And uh, we hope to gain national and international reputation in the process. That's our goal. Okay. Yeah, I think the overarching goal, we look at five to ten years, first of all, you know, the number of partners we have, it's not just going to be UWM, Marquette, and Northwest Mutual. I think we're going to add both on the corporate side, but also other universities that have expertise here. And, and I think Peru's put it well. We want to become a national center of excellence. We want to be recognized across the countries. This is a place where you go around data science, in both on the research and educational fronts, to see, you know, best in class. And we're already starting to get some recognition and attention for the way we've constructed the partnership. There are data science institutes all over, but we have yet to find one that is two academic partners and an industry partner. And so we just attended a big data hub summit in Santa Fe, and we were invited to speak because of the unique nature. Mm. What you find and what I'm learning is that when industry partners with academia, what I've been told is that many times it's money on the table and stepping back. And so we're really excited and also challenged because we don't have precedent for these things, right? So I think in addition to building our talent pipeline of data science and becoming a thought leader, I think in a way that we didn't even realize we were doing, we're also breaking through some mental models of what an industry and academic partnership should look like. Sure. Yeah. And yeah. I, I want to piggyback off of that uh, uniqueness because the other piece that's unique is it's located on Northwestern Mutual's campus. Right. And that's really unique. And matter of fact, it's so unique that last December, John Slivsky and I were invited to speak to the Council of Competitiveness. And if you're not familiar with that, it's a national organization that focuses on the economic competitiveness of our country. And it's made up of uh, Fortune 500 CEOs, presidents and chancellors at universities, and then the heads of national labs. And this was so unique that we actually got to speak for about 20 minutes mm -hmm. to this group about this because this is a model. That this organization sees this as a model for the future competitiveness for our country. Wow. And talking about getting a lot of time in the venue that, that we just talked about, going back to the Data Science Summit, our panel was on a topic that was set up just for us called public-private partnerships because it's a unique model. It was supposed to last for one and a half hours. It lasted for close to three hours and it just still didn't end because people wanted to keep talking wow. and we finally had to break it up because we said well, everyone is Well, that's because we said we were done. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So there's so much interest in this new model because no one has seen this kind of model. And having that space, the, the Cream City Lab space at NM, it helps to break down the barriers, break down the silos because it is, you know, neutral ground. It's not at Marquette. It's not at UWM. Um, it's a beautiful space as well, and I think it really facilitates those interactions. And in fact, you know, tomorrow morning we'll be having faculty from Marquette and UWM coming together at Cream City Labs to talk about our first uh, potential data science research project that the NMDSI is going to be supporting. And I think that's going to be exciting. These are people that don't normally talk to each other, and, and I think wonderful things are going to come out of that. Uh, if I had to think five years ahead, I think Marquette is uniquely positioned to become a leader on, on the ethical space here. I think both in terms of how we're developing our curriculum, the kind of partnerships that we're having across the city. And for the last four years, Marquette has run a symposium on the ethics of big data and also in partnership with Northwest Mutual and the Data Science Institute. And I think we're ready to take that to the next level. 
I think Marquette, it's, it aligns with the Jesuit mission. That, and as I go around campus and introduce myself and talk about what we're doing with ethics and data science, everyone on campus understands, everyone gets it, everyone is supporting it. And I really think we can, we can push forward and be a global leader on paying attention to the ethical side of these issues. Well, congratulations to all of you on being ahead of, ahead of the game <laughs> and groundbreaking in leaders with data or data science in uh, Milwaukee. So thank you all so much for being here today and chatting. Thank you. Thank, thank, you. thank you.